WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 116, all about The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, part four, being the 116th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Katie Bowers of Fandom Forward. Welcome, Katie. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. Excited to have someone from Fandom Forward on because I know you guys do such really awesome work. And uh, it's super exciting that you guys have recently, you know, expanded beyond Harry Potter Alliance and going into other fandoms uh, as as well now. And I think at one point I, I met messaged y'all on Twitter and was like, does it, is anyone, does anyone like Tolkien? And you were like, me, me, me. I do. Yeah. So why don't, why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your history with Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit and whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I didn't read the books first. I saw the movies first, which is many people's story. But I, um, they came out when I was in high school and I really loved him so much uh our senior skip day we went to see return of the king in theaters that was like oh that's a amazing <laughs> senior skip mm-hmm. day do you know what i did on senior skip day what? we went to ihop <laughs> <laughs> i mean we did go to denny's after viewing return okay. of the king but that was our that was our destination that's um, cool yeah so i have really good memories of seeing that with all our all of my friends After the movies came out, I read The Hobbit and I read uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And then (laughs) I had the experience of like, oh, The Hobbit's really fun. I love this. And then reading the trilogy, I was like, okay, that was a little bit more dense. But like, I'm still into (laughs) it. I'm going to read The Silmarillion. (laughs) Did you ever make it very far into The Silmarillion? Or did you just I certainly made it partway into The Silmarillion. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Um, (laughs) Not a lot of people even attempted Mm -hmm. it. And then there was, that was beyond my level of dedication. But I, um, I... As someone who's been a very, very in-depth uh, Harry Potter fan and very, very in-depth of, like, other fandoms, uh, I appreciate that, like, that level of depth exists from the mm-hmm. author and, like, exploring all those different, like, histories and languages and everything. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and then uh, when I was a lot older than being in high school, I got married and we went on our honeymoon to New Zealand and we got to uh, oh, see a bunch of the film sites. and Awesome! Yeah. That's so cool. So you went to Hobbiton Yeah, we sure did. We went to Hobbiton on my birthday. It was wonderful. Oh my gosh. Got to eat at the green dragon oh yeah and another weird lord of the rings intersection in my life i went to cornell and there are not one but two lord of the rings named eateries on campus there is a um dining hall called Oakenshields, and there is like a coffee bar called the green dragon and both oh that's so fun <laughs> that's so cool yeah <laughs> so i've eaten in in green dragon pubs on both hemispheres so that's i i love these stories i just like i think they're wonderful saw the hobbit movies all of them in theaters obviously like many people didn't love them as much as the original movies but like still have a special place 
in my heart and very much, very much looking forward to the Amazon Prime series that's like gonna be coming out in a couple of years right so it's actually um probably by the time this episode comes out it'll be about maybe like exactly a year i think i think it's it's supposed to come out it's i know it's september 2022 oh man that'll be here before we know it i'm looking forward to it we've been talking about at fandom forward like for anybody who's not familiar with fandom forward just really briefly um we use popular stories. Uh, We started with Harry Potter, but now we do all kinds of things like Avatar and Percy Jackson. And we have been looking at the Lord of the Rings series sort of being like, oh, is there something we can do with that that's connecting like Lord of the Rings and... I don't know what the social justice. It could if be. you guys are looking to go into like environmental, yeah. environmentalism or something. That could totally be a really great connection because mm-hmm. Tolkien loved himself some trees. <laughs> and like, yeah. on, I mean, honestly, literally, you could pick any mm-hmm. area of of activism. It's such and a there will be a way to connect it with Lord of the it's Rings. It's such an epic series. Like it lends itself to so many things. Um, so, yeah, I am excited for that. That's something we're thinking about in the future. So if you want to get into Tolkien-themed activism, we very likely will be there for you a year from now. <laughs> a year from yes. now. Yes. <laughs> Just like the Amazon Prime series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come, come. Na- well, we try to do it, like, in coordination with, like, mm-hmm. the the fandom, like, reinvigoration that happens, like, yeah. with a, an event like that. Yeah, that would be a really good opportunity for that. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, I really want to do a climate change and themed part partner with like the Rainforest Action Network and do something. That would just be so that would be so good. And yeah, have something to do with ants and yeah, rainforest preservation. And yeah, it would be even though I can already hear people, the ants don't live in a rainforest. There are rainforests in every hemisphere and bio forest preservation we'll just leave it at there's rainforests in washington state there are rainforests all over the place they're not all tropical yeah so there's like a lot you can definitely do there Mm -hmm. i'm i'm very cautiously optimistic about the amazon prime series so Mm -hmm. we'll have to it's just so funny like talking about things about like oh yeah we're like here are all these things that we hope to be doing a year from now and it's like i I'm really interested to see what this series will be yeah. like. Yeah. So. Yeah. I cut, mean, cut that. I'll cut this in. You know, a year, <laughs> a year from now, and be like, "Well, here it is. Yeah. This, this is what the series I is." I too am cautiously optimistic. I don't know. I'm just so jaded by like capitalism. Sure. <laughs> Who amongst us isn't? I don't like the idea of Amazon Prime making this series, oh. and it just doesn't sit right in my stomach. And I feel like Tolkien yeah. is just like bashing on his grave. Like, I can't believe you're letting corporate overlord I know. Jeff Bezos run my show. I, yeah, I have a, I have a heart. I love Good Omens is on there and I love that series. Yeah, they did a really good job with that. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, I'm excited about the chance for more people to mm-hmm. join this fandom. I'm excited to experience something new with the fandom. Mm-hmm at the same time rather than 20 years later <laughs> it'll be a, a fresh and exciting experience so yeah yes, I, for everyone involved. i feel the same way about it being on amazon that i do with everything with amazon where i'm just sort of like Ugh, 
but also this seems unavoidable. So, hey, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, some happier, so let's see, what do we start out this Okay, good. I was worried I was like, I was worried this section of the movie started out with like immediately right off the bat with like Keely dying. <laughs> like that's not exactly like a happier topic than what we're discussing now. Anyway. We didn't even cover that. No spoilers. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> with motivation as shallow as a baby pool, Tariel is hot on the dwarf's trail when Legolas finds her. After explaining that she can't let the orcs get away. Yeah, the orcs. That's it. Legolas decides to go with her. In the local tapestry shop at Lake Town, which I'm sure is always booming with business, Bard conveniently finds the Durin family tree while nearby villagers are reciting the prophecy about the return of the king. No, not that king, the king under the mountain. Putting together that the dwarves will only bring chaos to their village, Bard rushes home, but the dwarves have already left. Bilbo and the dwarves break into the army with the stealth of a thousand elephants and are unsurprisingly discovered. In the town square surrounded by your stereotypical angry mob, Thorin reveals their mission to reclaim Erebor and promises to share the wealth with Lake Town so that it will become as prosperous as it once was. The master is immediately on board with this because you know gold, but Bard warns the town that the dwarves will awaken Smaug and cause mass destruction. Which, I mean, he's not wrong. The master turns the town against Bard because his ancestor was the one who failed to kill Smaug. But like, it's a literal fire-breathing dragon. At least he was trying something. The next day, the dwarves depart from Lake Town, leaving behind Keely, who's about to die, Feely, who won't leave his brother, a dwarf who is apparently the group doctor and whose name I still don't know, and Bofer, whose actor had scheduling conflicts. Despite having the town turn on him and his pleas ignored about the dangers the dwarves will bring to Lake Town, Bard allows them to bring Keely into his home so he can be healed. Because he is a class act man. Over on Gandalf's side of the plot, he and Radagast approach Dol Guldur, which appears abandoned but is likely just concealed with a spell. Radagast goes off to send word to Galadriel and Gandalf walks directly into a trap, instead of just going back with Radagast to get Galadriel and return later with more backup. But that's not interesting, I guess. Then again, this part of the story isn't that interesting to begin with, so it's not like we had much to lose. After some beautiful sweeping landscape shots of New Zealand, the dwarves arrive at the Lonely Mountain. The door to the mountain is located at the top of some Zelda puzzle-shaped stairs, but they are slowly losing the last light of Durin's day. When the door doesn't appear, they immediately give up and leave. Bilbo, being the only one with more than five brain cells, sticks around to keep trying in the Moonlight reveals the door at last. Thorn and the dwarves return to unlock the door and enter Erebor. Now, of course, we finally get to the whole reason why Bilbo's here. He's sent further into the mountain to find the Arkenstone and ideally not wake the dragon. Cause like, who would do that? In Lake Town, Keeley's covered in sweat, just like I like him, and not doing so good. Because Athelus solves everything, Bofor runs out to find the weed that the village feeds to the pigs. In Dol Guldur, Gandalf breaks the concealment spell and is attacked by Azog and a legion of orcs. Sauron reveals himself to Gandalf, who is then imprisoned. But like, what did he honestly expect would happen? Bilbo politely knocks on the treasure room to see if Smaug is there and nope, looks like he's gone. He begins exploring the treasure to find the Arkenstone and wouldn't you know it, wakes up Smaug, just like everyone has been warning to not do for the last two movies. One hour and 50 minutes into Desolation of Smaug, Smaug makes his grand entrance and weirdly sounds a lot like Benadryl Cookie Dough Batch. It's a good thing Bilbo has this magic ring that turns him invisible, except Smaug somehow summons Sauron to look upon him and Bilbo rips the ring off. The Arkenstone is revealed in the pile of treasure, so Bilbo sweet talks his way around Smaug while trying to simultaneously get the stone and also not die. Outside, the dwarves in Lake Town hear rumbling from the mountain caused by Smaug. Bard's children worry that they're going to die, but not if he has anything to say about it. We open up with this, it's a very vivid shot of, I guess it's either orc blood, I think it might even, I think it might have been Keeley's blood, because I think that's where they had stopped earlier and he was like tending to his wound mm-hmm. and Tariel is tracking them, but just that like one shot, I don't know if you remember of 
I just remember it being like super vibrant and bright and red, yeah. which I thought was just like, I don't know, just kind of like caught me off guard for a second because I feel like these movies don't really have that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's not always like it's bleh, blood. It's it's definitely these movies have a very strong sort of theme of the warm color palette is evil and like earth tones good, orange, red, yellow, very mm-hmm. much connected with evil. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was a fresh splash of like, oh, God, oh, this isn't yes. going to be good. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just very bright all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Tariel is tracking after them and the Legolas finds her. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't hunt a pack of orcs by yourself. And she's like, I'm not by myself anymore. And he's like, oh, you, you, <laughs> you, know. you tricked me. Us, us <laughs> old friends. Us best friends that love each other. That's and- what's so odd with for me is that like I don't I'm reading these lines and the way I'm describing it, it sounds like it should it should look like that, you know, of like, oh, Tariel knows Legolas so well that she knew he would follow her. And then there would be this like moment of Legolas being like, oh, my God, I see what you did there. You knew I would come with you and that you wouldn't be doing this alone anymore. But for me, none of that like playfulness or chemistry of any kind comes across mm-hmm. on screen. How do you how do you feel about let's just talk about the Tario Legolas side yeah. for, for, for right now? How do you feel about that? So I am I agree with you. And I think it's such a it's a weird thing because Legolas is so beloved from the original trilogy and it is he did not have any relationships in that movie there is like in that set of movies there's no like hearkening back to his days as a younger elf when he was uh friends Mm -hmm. with these other people and so like the way you have learned to love that character is very much like in relationship to everybody who is in the fellowship and so then when you see him having a supposedly warm relationship with this other person that we have never heard of. It feels very like Buffy season five, where they're just sort of like, here's my sister. She's been off screen this entire time. And you're just like, excuse me. Um, So it's a weird one. I like the inclusion of her character. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed her, but it just very much feels weird because you're just like this is a guy we know from a different context and you have given us no reference to his life prior to when the fellowship of the rings picks up so yeah i don't know it they don't seem to vibe together yeah yeah i totally agree with like everything you were saying just i never i feel like they were really trying to set up this and it it was very forced from the producer side of, of things where this was not going to be a love triangle and then uh, it was just going to be Tariel and Legolas just uh, as platonic friends. Mm-hmm. But even that I, I don't buy of them being like, oh, supposedly like we're really good friends. We're so good that like we know each other, we can sense each other's movements and stuff, you know? Yeah, because... Like I don't know I don't know what it is about like that lack of how you be so- chemistry. Yeah, I mean, number one, they're just people that like don't click 
I have definitely seen films where they're just like, these people are so in love. And you're just like, these people don't even seem to enjoy talking to one another. Like, Right, yeah. Um, and like, we've seen Orlando Bloom have like good romantic chemistry mm-hmm. with other people in other movies. And we've we know, seen- We know he can pull it off. <laughs> and we've seen, and Evangeline Lilly is great in this role mm-hmm. as well. So like, it's not necessarily that like they're bad actors. I don't- I don't know. There's just definitely something missing here. And it's it's almost as if they wrote this very contrived mm-hmm. subplot that shouldn't even really be here in the first place. But we got to have enough. We got to have a woman in here somehow. Which I, so. which I agree with. I do think it's a very like, I don't think it's a bad idea to be like, oh, we should have slightly more than two women in the entire series. But like, I don't ever think there is slightly. I think it's just Galadriel and Tariel. Are there any other uh, I women mean, in I here? Mean in the I know original. Lobelia Saxville Baggins shows up at the very end <laughs> yeah. for like a one-liner at the end of um, That's, Battle so of Five there Armies. Go. There's slightly more than two women. <laughs> slightly more than two, so, yeah. I get it, but I, I definitely like... I, I think it's just, I know that he has to have best friends. I know that he has to have people he was close to in his extremely long life. But it just feels weird at, with a character that you know so well from previous films to see them mm-hmm. in a different life that has no reference at all. And then they just yeah, get with that person and it sort of the lines come across as just like, hey, big brother, have you talked to mom about the family oh event God. coming up? Or you're just yeah, like, <laughs> like right, yeah, writers who have no clue how siblings interact mm-hmm. at all. Exactly. Yeah, there was, oh, I saw I saw a TikTok today that was, it was using, it was using a soundbite from Arthur and it was like, <laughs> this writer definitely did have siblings. And it was them at some like, there's like a three legged race or something. Mm -hmm. And DW told someone like, you need to go off by yourself because you're a lonely child. (laughs) And Arthur's like, it's only child, DW. A a lonely child is what you're going to be when I sell you. That's much more authentic to the lived experience. That's a sibling's interaction. Yeah, so... A hundred percent. Whereas, yeah, this feels like... It was... Look at them. Yeah. Pals, Mm -hmm. friends, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Legolas even says something like, my father has protected you for 600 years, you know, however old they are. Has he? Okay. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of, like, telling us about their relationship and like her relationship with other people people rather than like being able to show us that in somehow and i feel like they're uh, trying they're trying to set up the stakes higher for them than sort of disagreeing about what is to come Mm -hmm. the whole like the whole hobbit three movie franchise has uh a, a struggle with this thing of trying to make the stakes like just as high as they were I know. for Lord of the Rings and you're just like this isn't that material like we didn't we don't have to have the stakes all the way up here it's okay like i think it would have been such an enjoy it, they would have been such enjoyable movies just trying to be the hobbit you know yeah. don't try and make it something it's not the hobbit is not lord of the rings and we don't need to yeah try and force that and i think they did try and force that and then they fell short mm-hmm. yeah so i think i think like this scene 
just sort of suffers from that same thing of like, we're just trying to make the stakes super high and we're trying to up them by being like, this is his best friend and their families are so tied together and they've been together for 600 years and, you know, pfft, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, they also try and up the stakes too because they give, I don't understand like why this, why this is, ha- so Tario's whole reason for why she's supposedly going after them is because she's hunting this pack of orcs mm-hmm. and she gives the reasoning of like, how dare your father let like this evil roam out like he like he only cares if it's inside his borders and that's so you know careless of him and so like he's a terrible leader for that so i'm gonna go out and kill all these orcs for some unknown reason if they had even been like dropped in a line of like my like my mother was killed by orcs (laughs) and i need to go kill these or you know or like i know what orcs can do and Mm -hmm. and things like that but instead they give her this very like shallow motivation which i think is really only covering up another shallow motivation which is that she has fallen in love with keely from having one conversation with him i I get it i dig it and (laughs) and she uh is going after them because the orc in the interrogation told them that he was poisoned with the arrow and is gonna die Mm -hmm. and so i think (laughs) that's supposed to be the real reason why she's doing that but even that is like not that great because they keely and tariel don't have that much mode uh uh that many moments together leading up to that with the level of interaction that she has with him if i had that many like that level of interaction with another human being and then i found out he had been poisoned and was dying my reaction to it would be like that that's awful that's so sad that's very very awful oh wow i wish i wish the best to his family like Like, i (laughs) maybe if i knew where they were going i would maybe try and send a letter to to warn them but but like she gets bit i would spoiler alert for for the next movie she gets banished for leaving (laughs) mirkwood by disobeying thranduil's orders she gets banished from her family and people that have been like protecting her her whole life just for following this it's it's he is a really cute dwarf yeah like i get it if you were gonna go for a dwarf like that's the one he's the one i get it girl but like mm, it reminds me i don't mean this in a in a complimentary sense towards the writing but in terms of like weak motivation it reminds me of romeo and juliet because like the two of them throw their whole lives away literally for like interacting a little bit at a party and like kind of at the balcony and meeting each other like they they are not that deeply in love or well i guess they are very deeply in what they feel like is love but they don't know each other that well and they throw their whole lives away i know you know that's that's the path she's on so at least keely is like still on this original path and motivation of of taking back his people's homeland and helping his uncle take back the throne uh that like his family like directly his family because in another part um thorin tells feely that like one day he'll be king because i guess he's next in line and so like at least keely is still like 
sticks with this original mission and he doesn't completely like it would be so insane if all of a sudden he's like never mind i'm gonna go with tariel and we're gonna go have I like mean, dwarf elf babies i don't know how that'll if work if you're talking but... about royalty and using marriage to unite kingdoms maybe it's not a bad track bad but I, I don't know if she, i don't think she has thorin, thorin could never he would disown <laughs> keely immediately yeah i don't it's a bad idea all around uh i guess they're they're just they're just kids i don't know i guess you know? so right how old is she just like 600 or something She's like 600 that? a baby <laughs> a baby just a child yeah <laughs> yeah so so uh legolas and tariel are like okay i guess we're going after these orcs ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. here we go for reasons i don't fully understand but that's I fine i mean we know we know orcs are bad so hmm. they're bad and these guys are good so they're gonna go hunt them i guess so back in lake town bard is frantically searching in a tapestry <laughs> shop mm-hmm. for whatever reason this like you know impoverished town has like a fine tapestry a little shop, shop with all <laughs> yeah with like tapestries and like and like really nice uh, i guess like rugs so and like other like tourists. antique yeah <laughs> whatever and for some reason he has a memory he he remembers that he's seen some tapestry and I think this is so weird of them to just drop in that like all of a sudden he remembers something that like reminds he hears in the previous scene he heard them call the you know head dwarf Mm -hmm. Thorin and he was like Thorin that sounds familiar I feel like we needed some scene or I don't know something to connect like how he remembered or like where he first saw this tapestry Mm -hmm. but whatever so he bursts in and starts searching for this tapestry and it shows it's like a ancestor ancestry DNA basically (laughs) of of the dwarf family line um the the line of durin and it's showing there is thrain wait no yeah thror and then thrain and then thorin Mm -hmm. and i'm like why did why is this like tapestry this like beautiful tapestry of the like line of durin in lake town yeah (laughs) it's a weird relic i yeah i don't know so in watching this Scene. I have been doing a lot of uh, reading by indigenous authors lately, and so this whole like theme in this part of the movie where they're going to reclaim the homeland and they're like going into Lake Town and talking to the settlers there and everything was very like picking up lots of themes around indigenous and colonialism and stuff like that, which is like an interesting theme from an English author born in South Africa. Anyway, but but I was thinking about that, and I was like, this is like sort of having a relic in a, a colonial town of like, here is the ancestry of the Native American tribe that we took this place from. Like, it, like I don't know. It's a very maybe, weird... Maybe, I don't know, or maybe they, like, found it in the wreckage of um, yeah. when Smaug attacked, and we're like, we're going to hold on to this <laughs> we're one like, day. We're like, case... this is a nice tapestry. We're going to, hey, we're going to put gonna this away in a box. 
in our shop. It just it just seemed really random for like why would they have made like why would someone have made this tapestry in Lake Town or like why would they have it or I don't yeah. know, whatever. Maybe Point there's being. somebody in Lake Town who's just super into like a uh, local history and and yeah. genealogy and this was like the I guess it, I guess it's Bard. Bard is that person. Yeah. <laughs> also Bard, this is just a side note, super distracting to me is that I per maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Luke Evans, right? Is that who plays him? Looks mm-hmm. a lot like Orlando Bloom. And you're okay. <laughs> look, you are he and the way that they costumed and designed Bard, yeah. he looks exactly like Will Turner. Yeah. He looks exactly like Will Turner. And I, had, and I don't know why. And it is kind of distracting. I had the same thing when the movies first came out. I just yeah. kept thinking, yeah. like, there's gonna be like a reveal where we find out like he's part elf and he's like related <laughs> to. And I kept waiting. I was like, I don't understand this plot line, but clearly. Yeah. That's where it's going. Yeah, no, you can say it. He looks exactly like Will Turner. It's so distracting. It's just so odd. It's just so odd that like there was this character, this character that at the same time the original trilogy was going on, <laughs> Orlando Bloom was starring in another mm-hmm. very iconic trilogy, and but who- and his character, you know, this character that they made, you know, 10 years later looks exactly like the character that one of their main actors who they brought back <laughs> for these films played. It, it's bonkers. Like I I want to watch some behind the scenes features and see what the thought process was like when they were designing all the different characters. I don't, I, I don't just know. picture them being like, listen, everybody loved Pirates of the Caribbean. Nobody's going to remember. It's fine. Little do they know. Who, who watches a pirate movie would also want to watch this Hobbit movie. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, what do these things have in common? Huh? Oh, Orlando Bloom, yeah. who like teenage girls famously are obsessed with. I just spent the whole especially scene. in the 2000s. I just yeah, it's just crazy. I was like, he's gonna find himself on this ancestry chart, and he's gonna find out he's secretly a half elf, <laughs> like a half elf, and he's yeah somehow related. He's he's actually secretly oh my Legolas's god, father. what if Thranduil is it? What if that's actually how he knew about this tapestry because he was there trying to uncover his own elven ancestry that's why he discussed okay i see mm -hmm. so he would he had been in there for his own purposes previously and just like happened to thumb past that tapestry this is like this is the record keeping tapestry shop this all adds up perfectly this completely makes (laughs) this this checks out this makes sense Good. Problem solved. Also, as he's looking, very conveniently, a lot of the people in the town are ta- are saying or talking about the prophecy and like reciting it and talking about like the dwarves, you know, <laughs> the line of Durin coming back and taking the mountain and the king of the the king under the mountain will return and um like all shall shine and burn or something and mm-hmm. bard's immediately like this isn't good <laughs> so he he runs home and his kids are like sorry we're children and we couldn't stop this pack of dwarves Useless. from leaving dead to me <laughs> get out of here although like what those children do it for like the rest of like later on in the movie mm-hmm. and in the next movie like they hold their mm-hmm. own at least they're not they're like 
not useless, you know? Like, a lot of times in movies, kids just get in the way. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're either fighting or they're helping their dad or something. So at least they're holding their own. They're surviving. As children go, I can respect them. (laughs) Yeah. But they don't stop the dwarves from leaving, which is what Bard had instructed them. He was like, don't let them leave. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, ran out to find this tapestry. And so then we cut to the dwarves making like a, a, a staircase. I was going to say a human staircase, but they're not humans mm-hmm. making a dwarf mm-hmm. staircase into the armory. And a couple of them are inside and they're gathering weapons. And for some reason, they choose the injured dwarf mm-hmm. to <laughs> Thorns like piling all these weapons on top. Mm-hmm. And also even before Keeley falls down and makes all that noise, they're still not they're being very loud. They're like, yeah. oh, be quiet in there. And then they're like rattling all the weapons like they're being very loud. Yeah. Anyway. It's got a real physical comedy aspect to it. I'm just oh my gosh. And I, yeah. I love seeing Bilbo's little hobbit feet run up the dwarven pyramid. Yeah, a little pitter-patter up, yeah. <laughs> this is a real good visual. Yeah. So yeah, they, they pile all these weapons and Keeley's are, and Thorne's like, are you okay? And Fila's like, yeah, and then immediately falls down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even, it was also like they needed at least like one like a half a second shot to show him like stumbling in pain. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that the reason he falls down is because he has this wound, but mm-hmm. they don't exactly, like, connect that those dots for you. They just show him immediately fall down the stairs, and it just makes him look really clumsy and dumb mm-hmm. uh, instead of supposedly one of Thorin's best warriors <laughs> later on. Uh, he just, he has to be both. He can be clumsy and injured and a great, <laughs> a great warrior. He has to be every, they, they've, like, he, he is one of the... 13 dwarves that they've, you know, pulled up Mm -hmm. from the ranks. And so now he has to be everything at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I know. They definitely have so many dwarves to choose from. Why did it have to be him? I don't know. We're just just setting up our our devotion to him and not wanting him to break off from the pact, I guess. It's very endearing to be funny and clumsy. I don't know. I guess it's setting up for the for a, the scene like later on when they're leaving and Thorin's like, I can't risk this mission because you're dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's what that the scene is about is it's showing him ruining it for them. And Thorin's like, we can't have that. Mm-hmm. Bye. Gotta leave you behind. Um, so yeah, they get caught. There's like a whole angry crowd. I, I expected like, you know, mm-hmm torches and pitchforks and everything and the master and oh my god i forget his name it's like um steven alfred steven that's Fry's alfred. assistant yeah alfred <laughs> the dumbest character to ever be created for these like tariel did we really need her and like the plot lines that come along with her character mm-hmm. no but at least they were like we need to have, have an, a, a woman mm-hmm. we need to have another female character in here Alfred's character makes no sense. It's not needed. It adds so much unnecessary fluff to the movies with like all these other things going up. We don't need him. And he's obnoxious. Like the actor does a really good job with it because I hate him. Any moment he's on screen, I'm like, this is obnoxious. 
Um, and so basically the crowd is like turning against the the dwarves and they're like, what are you doing here? And, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Thorin spins this situation around and is like, we're going to reclaim the mountain. And when we get the treasure, we'll make it worth it for you and we'll split it because Lake Town used to thrive uh dale and lake town and uh Mm -hmm. what's erebor everything was the it was the center of trade and wealth and we can have all of that again but we're gonna go back and take this treasure and bard steps out of the crowd and is like we can't do this because the prophecy says that these dwarves will bring about our ruin and they're gonna go in that mountain and awaken that dragon Mm -hmm. And he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, not the dwarves that woke the dragon. But yeah. So there have been a couple instances of like, why? So like, for example, in the first movie, they hide this mission from the elves when they're in Rivendell. Mm-hmm. And they don't tell Elrond what exactly what they're doing. And I'm like, what does Elrond care if they <laughs> are going to take back Erebor? You know, mm-hmm. what does he care if they're reclaiming their treasure in their land? And there are lots of different instances of that, of like, what do all these people care? Why the need for secrecy? Uh, Bard is the only one that I think it makes sense for him to speak up and be like, we can't let this happen because he uh, and all of the people here, Dale was completely destroyed mm-hmm. by Smaug all those years ago. And we we learned that the guy who shot at Smaug um, in that like first attack and missed him was some mm-hmm. an- ancestor. I always get confused if it's like... Mm-hmm ancestor descendant or ancestor yeah Yeah. it was like his great great grandfather or something and so everyone it's kind of like looking down on bard because of that and he's trying to i i get that that there's that pain and that hurt Mm -hmm. for his family and that area and that land of like we were destroyed by this dragon and i'm not gonna let it happen again but the master is like I heard we get money, so let's go with that option. <laughs> it's, it is fascinating to me that the crowd in that scene is just... They're so easily swayed. Yeah, they're ready to go along with, like, whatever. Like, you're these outsiders who uh, they nobody in town knows them. Like, they're... They're bringing upheaval one way or another. And like everyone in town is just like, yes, sounds good. We're on board. Let's do this. We have no doubts or disagreement whatsoever. And it's just funny to me because it's very, there are like a lot of classic crowd shots where like first the master is talking and they're like, yeah, let's go along with this plan. They're all like, yeah, let's be rich again. Mm -hmm. And then when Bard comes out and he's talking, they're all like, yeah, I do remember when, you know, my (laughs) grandfather died, like burned to death (laughs) because of Smaug. You know, they're very, they just go along with whoever's talking. It's got real like the the choir in a musical vibe where like everyone is just responding to like well harold hill says we're gonna have this in great marching band let's all go Mm -hmm. yeah also of note Mm -hmm. um we get our first i may it may not be our first but i noticed them our first people of color who are not (laughs) 
coded as being the villain Mm -hmm. there's like one i think it's even just one crowd shot they've grouped together it's like three or four women of color Mm -hmm. in one shot but i noticed them i was like good for you girls (laughs) you made it (laughs) you made it into these movies and you're not an orc and you're not you know being attacked by our heroes in some capacity you made it into this desolate town (laughs) That is I know, just right? impoverished and struggling. Woo-hoo. I know. Good job. <laughs> yeah. You really made it. I know. But yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, see, but I was also like, see, it's not that hard. Just fine. Just you can put people of all different who, who look of all different backgrounds and ethnicities in a movie and it, it it's normal. It's fine, you know? It doesn't have to be all people yeah. who look like Orlando Bloom. It's better it's better if they have speaking lines even. That would be that would be great, but uh I mean remember we're we're working on like the bare minimum here. We had to like mm-hmm. pry from the depths just to get like two female characters. <laughs> A little more than two female characters, yeah, please. you know. Credit so, like, where credits do. You win some, you lose some in these things. But yeah, there are some people of color in this crowd. Just bringing that up and noting that. Um, so, yeah, everyone in the town is super excited about this plan. They're like, yeah, we're going to be rich again. This is so exciting. Um, and Bard is very upset. And he's like, well, this dwarves. I'm out. I'm not going to have my family be destroyed by all of this nonsense. I'm going back to defend Kira Knightley and our children. Yes. <laughs> That would have been actually, oh my god, oh my god, because I mean, spoiler alert for how the original Pirates trilogy ends, mm-hmm. but I mean, Will and what's what's her face? Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth mm-hmm. are not together and he can't set foot on land and he lives in Lake Town mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he like lives on a boat and everything. It's all one so universe. What if, and he, I mean, he mentions he, he mentions that his wife died but like what if his wife is just off in another land because they she, can't be together. She didn't die. He just can't bear to speak of her. And those girls, I could totally see it mm-hmm. if Kira Knightley played their mom mm-hmm. i can totally see how that would happen <laughs> this all connects I, this all it's like the the pixar theory i want to find a way to connect <laughs> all the orlando. lord of the rings trilogy and movies with the pirates of the caribbean it's just movies. all orlando bloom movies exist in one <laughs> universe in one where universe he, he plays the orlando all bloom the universe <laughs> yes yeah. except for this instance where Will Turner is played by two different mm-hmm. <laughs> char- two different people. Um, anyway, so they have a whole party. It's a grand old time. This is what it was like for an entire chapter in the book. There was none of this secrecy. The dwarves just roll up to Lake Town. They like immediately waltz up and Thorin's like, hey, I'm Thorin, king under the mountain, and we're here. Can you help? And they're like, yeah. And then they literally have a party for two weeks, and then <laughs> they go off. So there's none of this secret. So so we do eventually get, like, some semblance of that where they have this, like, night of celebration. And then the next morning, they see uh, everyone off for, you know, to continue this mission because Durin's day, I think that day is Durin's mm-hmm. day. When they leave, or maybe it's the day after. I don't know. It's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they <laughs> they got to get a move on. Yeah. Um. I love this little detail when they're leaving. Bilbo asks, "Where's Bofur?" Mm-hmm. And Bofur is the one who, throughout all of Unexpected Journey, is usually asking, "Where's Bilbo?" Uh-huh. 
And so I thought that was really cute that it was Bilbo who asked, where's Beaufort? Um, and actually, this little uh, piece where Beaufort ends up staying behind, he was originally going to be a part of the group that goes to the Lonely Mountain. But the actor, James Nesbitt, had to return for he had to go back to the UK for another project. So they rewrote this script mm. to accommodate his schedule. And it's so funny because it's just such a simple thing of like, he's probably drunk somewhere and passed <laughs> right. out, but we have to keep going. And they're just ready to leave his ass behind. They they were like, listen, Bilbo, I know you two have a strong friendship. You're always looking out for each other. But frankly, he's dead weight. He's holding us back. Yeah, he's holding us back. We got to keep going. Had enough of it. Yeah. Um, And so they're packing up to get in the boat. And all of a sudden, Keely looks like he is not even dying anymore. It looks like he's just dead. Like he is white. He was ghostly pale. He was doing fine. And then... Yeah, it just happened like all of a sudden, bam, mm-hmm. He, I was like, oh, he's dead. And it was funny because the first time I was watching the movie, I was with my friend and I kept commenting about like, oh, my God, Keely's so hot. But <laughs> like literally right before they cut to him, I was say- saying again something about how like, oh, yeah, Ke- Keely's the hottest one. Mm-hmm. And then it cut to him basically dying. And I was like, oh, no, he literally is the hottest one yeah. because he probably has a fever right now <laughs> and is dying. <laughs> Medical humor. Uh, yeah, and Thorin is like, I am not going to let anyone bring down this mission, even if you are my nephew, I can't let anyone get in the way, which I get. And like, he does a good job of, um, shoot, what's the actor? Richard Armitage does a good job of like conveying like, I have to keep like, this is me being the leader mm-hmm. making this executive decision, but I'm also really upset about this and I genuinely need you to stay here and get better. Mm-hmm. One of the dwarves, whose name I do not know, says, my duty lies with the wounded and he gets out and stays. <laughs> and then Feely is like, I, is like, is like, I'm staying with my brother. And I was like, yeah, because there haven't been a, enough like Keely, like mm-hmm. fun, cute, Keely feely moments. And I'm like, yeah, brotherly bonding. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> I, the guy who leaves and says my duty is to the wounded. I did think like, but aren't they going somewhere that's more desolate? And they are yeah, gonna there's need, a chance they might be like yeah, you're leaving but I them think... in a town that is definitely going to have like some kind of healer. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess in that moment, he was like, well, there's one person here who is definitely dying. And so I guess I'll go with that person. Whereas you guys might, you might not die, you know, <laughs> good luck to you now Think, that I'm not coming, we're keeping our fingers crossed that that just won't happen. <laughs> they all get off and leave and uh, leave the town. And then we have this scene of Beaufort waking up. And <laughs> as he's like running out the door, it's like so, he's this actor is just so great. Mm-hmm. And it's just such like a fun little comedic role. <laughs> to like insert every now and then into the movies and like he's running out the door but stops to grab Mm -hmm. like the leftovers of a glass of wine or something Mm -hmm. and he runs up and is like and then sees the other dwarves who are there and Keely who's like dying (laughs) and it's like it's like oh you guys missed the boat too yeah right oh I feel so much better now (laughs) yeah he's like okay I wasn't the only one that was slacking (laughs) Um, I like that. But scene. then Keely collapses, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Okay, we got." It. They they go knock on Bard's door, and Bard's like, 
you've ruined my life, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't trust you, and I think you're going to bring more ruin to this town. Leave. And then they're like, Keely's really sick. He's dying, sir. And Bard, being the class act man that he mm-hmm. is, lets them inside mm-hmm. to help him. We don't deserve Bard. He's such a great man. What else could you do? What else could you do? I know. Especially if you have a dwarf who's that cute and that hot and he's <laughs> sick and dying. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm about this. <laughs> I Elizabeth is off at sea. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> my wife. How yeah. wonderful for my kids to have, have new family oh, members. <laughs> so then we, oh, wait, no. We go back to the dwarves and Bilbo who are in the boat mm-hmm. and they are, we get some... Like in every one of these movies, some wide shots of the landscape, Mm -hmm. you know, showing that like, hey, we are on location this day (laughs) um, as they're walking and approaching the mountain. And they reach a peak where they look over at the ruin of Dale and everything. And they're like, what's this place? And someone goes, that is the desolation of Smaug. There's the title of the movie. Yep, there it is. There it is. Um, And I should mention, of course, that, you know, this movie is named The Desolation of Smaug. And it is, I think at that point when he says that, it's like easily over an hour and a half into the movie by the time they even like get to the part, the the point in the plot line where they're near Smaug, Mm -hmm. who the movie is named for again just nonsense for how they structured these movies <laughs> it's also it's a very short scene like it's just sort of an in, yeah. in passing kind of scene um, they just needed to be like that's why we named this movie the desolation of smell yeah i guess and also it makes me wonder because in the original trilogy there are there are those really obvious moments that they set up for um saying the name of the movie mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously they did that here. I can't remember necessarily if there was ever one of those moments in an unexpected journey if someone said the name of the the title of the mm. movie um, in a line. So, a- but I'm not going to go back and rewatch it just <laughs> to find out. This is a question so. for the internet knows the answer to this question already. Yes, someone out yes, there. Yes, I will tweet it out and I will ask you guys, and you guys can go back and rewatch the movie for me, so I don't have to. Perfect. So good to have help. <laughs> And so they move closer to the Lonely Mountain. We go to Dol Guldur, which I always struggle saying, mm-hmm. and forgot about those goddamn rabbits and Radagast. Mm-hmm. I've learned that everyone loves Radagast and those rabbits. I do not care for him. <laughs> I just find him annoying kind of any point he's on screen. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's a minority opinion for these movies. So yeah. I I don't know. I feel like he You don't care one way or the other. I don't have strong feelings about him. I enjoyed him that's I good. enjoyed him in the book and I found him to be present in the movies. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So Radagast and Gandalf arrive at Dol Guldur and Gandalf says there's some kind of concealment spell, which means they are not ready to reveal their power, which means they're not at their strongest. Mm-hmm. Which means this is our opportunity and our chance to go in and attack and possibly stop them. And so he decides to go in alone and sends Radagast to 
send a message to Galadriel somehow. I, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do we have to do this now? And why do we have to do this alone? Like, let's, why don't we both go get Galadriel? If they're not ready, And we then, all come back know. with a plan. Mm-hmm. And like, if they're concealing themselves, maybe let's leave them concealed. Mm-hmm. Let's like not mess let's with that. Let's come back I, I with think. a strong force and be able to, exactly. like, they're clearly not ready. How long is it going to take yeah. to muster Galadriel? Yes. Like, I know sometime, yeah. but probably just like a week or two. Well, Galadriel's the one who, in some vision... <laughs> That's the other thing. The whole reason Gandalf is doing this is because before, at the beginning of the movie, right when they're about to go into Mirkwood, he has some kind of vision or telepathic me- uh, message mm-hmm. from Galadriel saying, like, you're needed elsewhere where darkness is growing or, you know, something, you know, classic cryptic message from Galadriel. Mm-hmm. So Galadriel is aware of all this going on because she's the one that told Gandalf to go investigate all of this. So it's like, Gandalf, why don't you send off another telepathic message or something? Yeah, and be like, hey, come. come meet us here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go and investigate. Let's do it all together. Mm-hmm. But no, that would be too logical. And like Gandalf, Gandalf the Grey, especially, <laughs> acts in the moment. He's very much like chaotic good. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he has that fireworks cart carting around behind him in uh Mm-hmm. The first one. He loves, he loves, he's a chaotic, wholesome kind of guy. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he decides to go into Dilgulder and create some chaos. Mm-hmm. We get a classic moment from him. Radagast is like, what if it's a trap? And Gandalf says, then don't, you know, don't come back or whatever. Don't, you know, don't come help me. And then he, you know, kind of like turns to himself, almost like turning directly to the camera, Mm -hmm. basically, you know, (laughs) like winking at the audience. It most definitely is a trap. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, then let's not go in by ourselves. Come on, Gandalf, think through. Okay, so I also have a hard time talking seriously about Gandalf because that is the name of one of my cats. Um... So that's amazing. So when it, he's 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 a lovely like long-haired gray cat. Um and so whenever I have to be like Ugh, Gandalf, come on, don't be making rash decisions. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like talking to my cat, but um yeah, Gandalf moves in with exactly as much planning as my cat does. So I don't know. Just curious, do you, do you ever post TikTok videos of your cat Gandalf? I do not post TikTok videos okay. of him due to the fact that I am very tired all of the time. But um, he, I'm asking because I, I saw a video on TikTok where someone owned a cat named Gandalf and the cat like jumped up on the counter and like grabbed a knife. <laughs> and the owner was like, Gandalf, put the knife down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and i was like oh my god was that your cat gandalf that grabbed the knife it <laughs> would be wonderful different cat gandalf sadly different no cat not gandalf. the same guy but if only um that sounds like something oh, he would so do funny. anyway yeah. so yeah so gandalf uh runs into ball of the girl exactly grabs a knife you said it just right (laughs) grabs a knife Um, and causes chaos yes he he starts doing some spells and is like i command you to come forth and i'm like let's maybe not do that Mm -hmm. um just my opinion um so while gandalf is messing with that kind of darkness um the dwarves and bilbo who are at the mountain uh 
are like, where, like, where do we go now? <laughs> and Bilbo sees this set of stairs that literally look straight. It just looks like a puzzle from a Zelda video mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. It's so... Uh, obviously, you know, in this world, they don't know the concept of video games and like puzzles and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. And then Thorne says, like, you have a keen eye, Bilbo. And I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> Are you guys blind? They're used to operating under the earth, not above the earth. Above it. And That's what I was wondering. I'm like, are they just bl- have they been blind like literally this whole time? And that kind of explains a lot. Then they have day blindness. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I don't know. What if they just really wanted Bilbo to feel included and like he was doing a good job, and they all actually saw it. Oh, yeah. And Thorin's like, okay, we got Listen, I know exactly what kind of stairs we're looking mm-hmm. for, but we gotta we gotta boost Bilbo's confidence because he's about to go in there and confront a dragon. <laughs> we gotta make him feel really good about himself before this, he does that. Okay, so this guy needs a win. Even, even if you see the stairs first, pretend like you don't see them. Okay, we're gonna let Bilbo find them. <laughs> I actually think that's a pretty solid leadership plan. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty. All right, point, so we're yeah. revising. That's what happened. That's a that's a exactly. that's a cut scene. <laughs> so they all go up the stairs and they go to the point in the mountain where they believe the door is, and then because they all have five, they they have five brain cells. <laughs> they just start like hacking away at the rock, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, obviously that's not going to work. You guys know what the poem says. It says like, we'll shine and pound upon the keyhole mm-hmm. and you have this key. So like maybe trying to bust open this ancient stone that's a part of a mountain with your axe isn't going to work. <laughs> uh, they're not delicate. They're known for mining. They're, they're, they're hacking away by their nature, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. Yeah, I, maybe they're just tired. They've been looking for a long and, time and they were like... Yeah, and they're also really panicked because the sun is setting. Mm. And so they're losing the last light of Durin's day. So they're freaking out. And then the sun completely sets and they're like, well, it's over now. And then they just immediately leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? We're not even going to like maybe stay here and like camp out? Like, okay, maybe the door isn't here, but like... This seems like as good a place of any to like stop and like rest for the night Mm -hmm. or like maybe let's like stay here and investigate maybe just five minutes longer. They were too depressed. They were too depressed by their failure. Also, when is Durin's Day? Like, is there not going to be another Durin's Day? That's what I was wondering, too. I'm like, maybe it needed to be because my understanding is that like it's it's not necessarily like oh it's every single i I believe it's supposed to mark like the end of fall Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's necessarily every year i think or maybe it is every Mm -hmm. year but the prophecy with the door i think had to the light had to be during a particular like phase of the moon or Mm, like mm. light of the sun or angle of you know i don't Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. um i believe so 
I thought in the books what happened is that the door was illuminated for the brief moment where the sun and the moon were both in the sky at the same time mm. as the sun was setting and the moon was rising. And I'm pretty sure that is how it happened in the book. I could be misremembering that. I feel like that's a hard concept to like show visually. Like the moon is so weak compared to the sun. Yeah, so they 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 swapped it here in the movie where it's just like the moon comes out, and so the last light of Durin's day is interpreted to be the moonlight, and Bilbo mm-hmm. is the one to be is is the one who the only one who's there, and is like, guys, come back, come back. Come back. <laughs> Where did you go? Ah, ah. And then they're all standing immediately behind him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, Thorin like very dramatically goes to like drop the key over the edge of the mountain when they leave, and I'm like, hang on to that. Like you might need it some other day. Like even if this particular light of Durin's day only happens every fifty years, like your you're, you know grandson or whoever will need that key eventually like don't throw it over the edge of a mountain this is what we were talking about before of just this like amping up of the stakes and just having to make this moment be much more dramatic than makes any sense yeah well and what's so funny is that in the book they literally just wander around the mountain for like I think it's it's several days. Mm-hmm. They're just wandering around the mountain aimlessly trying to find, like, where the door would be. Mm-hmm. They don't even know where it is. And so, like, obviously that makes for a very boring movie to just show them, like, walking around. But it's also, that's just, that's the nature of what The Hobbit is. We're like, mm-hmm. that's funny yeah. that, like, our heroes don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're dumb as a sack of potatoes. Yeah, which sometimes. is not which is not the vibe that they went for for the movie. Which yeah. is, you know, eh, I don't know. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the keyhole is illuminated. And right as Bilbo goes to like grab the key off the ground, like Thorin's he- like foot, I think, comes in and stomps on the key to stop it from falling over or something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Whatever. Very... Thorin picks it up. And there is the I do appreciate the shot where it shows there aren't a lot of these moments, I feel like, in the movie where it, there's like a lot of grandiose behind it, but there's a shot of Thorin with the key mm-hmm. and then the rest of the dwarves fall in line next to him. Mm-hmm. And so I like that moment of like showing them being like, okay, this is the moment where we actually are going to go in and we're going to open this door and we're going to go into our town that like in our, our city that was mm-hmm. decimated and that only some of us in this group remember Mm -hmm. you feel you feel like the weight of that moment as they as they prepare for Mm -hmm. that they open the door and they go inside and there's some um like what not in in i I guess inscription or whatever there's like a drawing Mm -hmm. like etched into i don't know like what the i don't know what the word i'm looking for is there but um it's like a picture um of like the throne and then right above it is this like glowing thing and Bilbo says, what's that? And Balin's like, that is the Arkenstone. And that is the reason why you're here. That's what we hired you to steal. And I really wish you had recognized it. (laughs) Makes me wonder about your abilities as a jewel thief. Anyway. It's really funny because the Arkenstone is something that from the books is just like 
Yeah, it's a really pretty jewel. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially it. And it's just kind of said to be like a family heirloom, basically. Like it's like it's very it is very valuable in terms of the rest of the treasure and everything. But it's not like nearly to the it's not like, oh, the king has to have the Arkenstone in order to rule and stuff. Um, So they really hype that up in the movie. And it, it makes a little bit more sense here when they're telling Bilbo, we want you to go in and steal this specific thing that has this very intense value mm. attached to mm. it. Um, as opposed to in the book, they don't really have like a exact thing to tell Bilbo to do. They're just like, yeah, I guess go in there, see what the dragon's doing <laughs> um, and get us treasure and it's like what is this hobbit gonna do is he gonna sneak away gold like one piece at a time like what's the fame plan he's here? a famed jewel thief he'll know what he's doing when he gets there <laughs> and then bilbo gets there and he did not know what he was at doing. all <laughs> at all no one but knew. he went with a level of confidence that i found to be really reassuring he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't he's really coming to his own yeah here. he did not seem nearly as uh, afraid and aware of his own incompetence as I think I might have been facing off against a dragon. Oh yeah. Um. So I get I get this hyping up and heightening of the Arkenstone so that he can have like a more tangible goal rather than just like I don't know. Can you go get us some treasure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just whatever you can find is nice. We cut away to. Back to Lake Town, checking in on Keeley. Uh, bad news, he's really not doing good. Um, he's doing lots of uh, writhing around in pain and covered in sweat and dirt. That mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, wow, I hate it when my men uh, in <laughs> fantasy movies are like that. They're like, do you have any, you know, anything we can use? And what they need is King's Foil, which in Lake Town is a weed that they just feed to the pigs. And I'm like, how did they, like, how did these people not know about, you know, I don't know. Because this King's Foil is, I believe it's the exact same thing that in Fellowship, the movie Aragorn tells Sam to like go, he's like, can you go find King's Foil? And Sam goes, ah, it's a weed. Mm -hmm. And then goes looking for it to help Frodo when he gets stabbed by the the Morgul. It's like, have we not, like, ha- I guess that happens in the future, but it's just so funny that, like, there are some people and races in this world and, like, civilizations mm-hmm. that have a better sense of, like, medicinal technology than others, and that, like, meanwhile, these people are just feeding it to the pigs. Yeah, I mean, that's very real, though. Like, there is so, there is so much food <laughs> out in the world that we don't eat because it, like, I don't know, it didn't get picked up as, like, a, a commercial agriculture crop, but, like, there is, um, I don't know, there's, like, this plantain plant that grows in sidewalk cracks and it is something that is you can like grind up the leaves like just crush them up and like put them in cuts and stuff and help with healing like that's something that is very very common in real life is we're surrounded by plants we don't know how to use and we just decide they're garbage and they're not garbage they're just things we don't yeah, know how I guess to use that's true. i don't know i guess i would have thought that like given their proximity and like they do they work with like the elves in Mirkwood because mm-hmm. they trade with them and stuff. I don't know. I just thought that, like, at some point or another, you know, these people would have been like, 
hey, fun fact. Yeah. This plant is really good at healing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even better than whatever it is you're using. And they don't really give a reason for like why they need this plant over the other stuff that Bard's like, I have this thing and I have this thing. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. we need this specific thing. They don't really give a reason. Anyway, mm-hmm. so is like, okay, you feed it to the pigs. Got it. And I love this. Again, just inserting these little comedic moments. He turns to Keely and goes, don't move. And the <laughs> like the like Keely's reaction towards him is so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it looks like he's like going to like he he wants to like yell at him or smack him or be like, of course I'm not gonna move. I'm dying. <laughs> like now is not the time for your jokes. Um, but obviously he's in immense pain, so he just kind of like groans at him mm-hmm. and then like Bofer runs off to go be Bofer Cl- for a classic bit. Both. And it's so funny because like this now is Bofer's plotline for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He just goes and gets King's foil. Yeah, keep it simple. <laughs> and then, like, things happen around him as he's doing that, but, like, that's his plotline for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. Then we do, yeah, we go back to the mountains, and Balin and Bilbo are walking towards the dragon. Mm-hmm. Balin, he's very sweet. Balin tells Bilbo, like, you don't have to go do this. We know that, like, this is what, you know, we've been giving you, like, a hard time about this whole journey but like now that we're here Mm -hmm. you don't have to do this and he's like no this is what I came to do I said I would help you so I'm gonna go help you and Balin's like the courage of hobbits (laughs) always always surprises me Mm -hmm. wink wink yeah (laughs) we're gonna need more of that in the future And he's like, well, you better use as much luck as you can muster up. And it's like, yeah, or just happen to have a ring that turns you invisible. Perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. either way might help. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, if you cannot wake the dragon up, that would be great. And it's like, that was my first plan, actually. I was going to go in there and wake him up. Classic. (laughs) Perfect. I will definitely wake him up now. Goodbye. Yeah. So I just love that that note of like, of course, we're not going to try. We're not going to like no one's going to intentionally wake the dragon. Mm-hmm. Duh. We know that. Before Bilbo goes in, we co- we go back to Gandalf, where I think he's bitten off a, a bit more than he can chew. Mm-hmm. And he reveals this, you know, hidden power and this illusion that has been hiding everything breaks and Azog is there and he knocks Gandalf to the ground and it like he like burns his staff away mm-hmm. so I guess Gandalf I have, I'll pay attention in the next movie or something like does he get that staff back <laughs> because I'm pretty sure it's the same one that he has in it regenerates. Lord of the Rings and everything yeah if it just regenerates or if Elrond's like oh here you go like it's a good thing we have you know all these extra Stop by our walking stick shaft it's like in the Grinch movie mm-hmm. at the live the Jim Carrey one after he like burns down the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and then they're like it's a good thing we have a spare <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good movie too that can be your next scene by scene. Just the Grinch, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. It is. I'm not a. I'm not a particularly big Christmas person. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fitting that the Jim Carrey Grinch is my favorite <laughs> Christmas movie. It's a good one, though. I was a. It's a good I was one. in a community theater ripoff of that movie, like an unofficial, unlicensed, like an unofficial staging. Yeah, of it. <laughs> like just completely. Who were you, were you, Cindy Lou Who? No, I was uh, his lost girlfriend. There, what's her name? Martha May. Is that it? Oh, you are Martha mm-hmm. May. Yes, I sure That's was. Fun. <laughs> I sure was. What could have been? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird 
that was a weird show, but that was cool. I got it sounds to, like it. That's so I got funny. to have like a house that lights up and like my costume lit up and everything when when she does the big Christmas light show off Christmas thing. Christmas lights, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that, I I I do not believe that was a licensed production. <laughs> That's so pushed. funny. There's a I guarantee it was not the first time. Oh yeah. And it won't be the last that someone puts on an unlicensed production of the <laughs> yeah, Grinch. Right. <laughs> In Specifically some, you know, of community Jim, theater. Of Jim Carrey's The Grinch. The Grinch. <laughs> anyway. So Gandalf is not doing he's in a sticky situation here. Mm-hmm. Um where he like turns around and he sees like all of these wargs and orcs and he's like oh this is a huge army this is a mistake Mm -hmm. we get this really cool effect where the necromancer walks out as like fire is forming around him and then like he kind of turns into the fire Mm -hmm. and then like there's a shadow around him and so he's start it takes on this effect of him looking like how we know the Eye of Sauron to be in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And it's this really cool effect as it's like overtaking Gandalf. And then they go a bit too far with it. And it's like a Russian nesting doll, yeah. I wrote down, effect where like it keeps going like in and out. And then it's almost like they needed like an epilepsy warning mm-hmm. or something on screen where like it's just flashing for a while. And I'm like, okay, that was. That, that was enough. So I, because because I, I had a lot of chaotic stuff at, going on at home today, I watched this scene at like six o'clock in the morning today, and it was really <laughs> That's like- a way to wake it up. It was too much. Like, I remember just, mm-hmm. I was like holding my mug of coffee and just like staring at it and just being <sighs> like, I don't like this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is, I I think I would have really different feelings uh, about like that particular image later in the day, but it was had you it was yeah, so maybe been mu- awake a little longer. It was so much to take in at six o'clock in the morning. It's a lot to take in, and like unfortunately, that's like that's kind of like consistent feedback with Gandalf's yeah. side of the story in these movies. Mm-hmm. My previous guest, when we were with Gandalf, she was like. I'll be honest, I picked up my phone and I like thought I had just checked Instagram, like looked mm-hmm. at a notification, and then I looked up and we were on a totally different scene. Yeah. And I don't remember what happened with Gandalf at all. And I'm like, that's okay. I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had to rewind it like three times to be like, oh, I actually have to pay attention. Like I'm the one who has <laughs> who has to know what's happening in these scenes. Gandalf's <laughs> playing some 4D chess. And the rest of us mm-hmm. are playing checkers. It's too much. We're not even, it's like shoots and ladders. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so Gandalf, yikes, not looking good for him. Mm-hmm. Bilbo, back in the Lonely Mountain, is approaching the, you know, treasure room. And it's just such a little Bilbo-y moment. He goes to, like, knock on the door. <laughs> and he's like, hello? And I'm like, why? first of all, why would you, you, ter- you know, call out for someone? And then I was this. like, wait a minute. That is such a hobbit <laughs> thing to do to knock before you walk in somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? That that's probably just, like, a habit of his. Um, but just, like, such a cu- fun... 
hobbity bilbo-y martin like classic martin freeman mm-hmm. adding like the martin freeman touch yeah. to to this like you know small moments of him being like he's not at home <clears throat> yeah that's it he's not at home he's not here just coming in for the <laughs> robbery hello <laughs> like hello we're here for the burglary <laughs> Um, he walks out onto like the staircase that overlooks the treasure and we have this big shot that zooms out that I think is supposed to be very much like you're in awe of the treasure and oh my god, isn't this so cool and fascinating and this is mesmerizing. However, on these wide shots especially mm-hmm. of the treasure, it just looks so fake to yeah, me. Yeah, it just looks sort of dirt. It looks sort mm-hmm. of... It didn't come across as like, ooh, sparkly gold. It just sort of came across as like, here's a large CGI track of land. Yeah. It just looks like one mount, like a, a mound, shapeless, mm-hmm. like splash of gold color on your screen. Mm-hmm. And like when you do, when there are shots that are closer up of like Bilbo, you know, hiding in the treasure and you can like hear yeah. the gold coins making the noise and you can like see the individual coins it's better Mm -hmm. um when it was probably you know like actually happening in realistic practical effects on set um as opposed to these huge i get why they couldn't necessarily build like a giant Mm -hmm. it would be kind of hard to build a giant Mm -hmm. room of gold uh just to you know have it destroyed and have this dragon traipsing through it that's kind of hard to do but at the same time i know for a fact that there was um some behind the scenes thing from the original trilogy talking about like how they made like thousands upon thousands of skulls for this mm-hmm. one scene that ended up not even making it to the theatrical edition. It was just in the extended edition. Mm-hmm. I know that that, eff- that level of effort is there to make a flood of of skulls. And they used like cat, the molds that they used to make the skulls were like, from real humans or something and I'm and because they and he wanted to get like real like there was all these things of like I wanted it to look like not like oh that's a you know some bones that some prop people on a movie made he wanted it to actually look like bones and skulls Mm -hmm. and so I know that they can do that and I'm like well then why would you not do that again Mm -hmm. it looks so much better when you do that they didn't they didn't love gold the way they love human skulls I know they just like the skulls better Mm -hmm. Bilbo starts going through it there are lots of like very like cute little snippets of him like picking up the treasure and being like are you the Arkenstone no are you the Arkenstone no like at one point he like throws he like tosses something to the side and then it like makes a bunch of noise and he's like so I love watching Bilbo like interact with this environment by himself and then at one point he I think he's like walking and some gold starts to slip away and that um pile of gold pulls away and reveals Smaug's eye classic movie shot and Bilbo's like uh oh <laughs> and uh, he like goes and ducks behind a column and he can see as Smaug starts to wake up and his body is starting to move, he can see like around him on the other side piles of gold moving mm-hmm. as his tail is moving. And so we zo- we pan out and you see this, you don't see Smaug yet, he's still buried in the gold, but like, you can see the outline and shape of his body and Bilbo 
tiny little Bilbo in the center of the screen is like measuring like himself <laughs> and he like puts his arms all the way out to the side as it like when you're talking to a toddler and it's like I love you this much <laughs> and it's like that where he's and you're just like holding yes his, Bilbo it's a big dragon it's a big dragon and he keeps like trying to like measure himself compared to the dragon it's so funny and minor and I'm just like Bilbo use the ring <laughs> put the ring on it turns you invisible mm-hmm. finally he does put the ring on and then we get this reveal of Smaug just as basically just as Bilbo disappears. Mm-hmm. And I love that they don't I, I believe like they they use a lot of silence in this part of the movie mm-hmm. as opposed to like having tons of dramatic music and everything for this reveal where it's just like we're gonna let this speak for itself. Smaug looks really good. The voice acting and the effect that they did for the voice is really good. Mm -hmm. And so I love this like kind of slower reveal to show this like really magnificent, formidable foe. Mm -hmm. As a a Good Omens fan also, I I do love Benedict Cumberbatch coming up as a a horrible villain rising out of the ground. It is uh, reminiscent of a future role he will hold. So that will actually bring us to this week's segment. Is Benedict Cumberbatch actually Smaug? Yes. (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch, in his own words, quote, ripped into his vocal cords quite literally. He had blood at the end of the day from tearing his throat to pieces. Oh, no. Just to get Smaug's voice right. And on one hand, it's like, wow, that's like really incredible dedication. Mm -mm. And on the other hand, it's like, bro, like, Mm -mm. were they really paying you enough money that you were like spitting blood at the end of the day? To be fair, I'm sure they were paying him great money, but still. (laughs) I'm not about that tidbit. But it worked really well. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out really well because I, I love how like slow we ease into... Smaug as he's like he's like I smell you I hear your breath and like all of the obviously that Benedict Cumberbatch does way better than me because my throat is not bleeding mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do that yeah and that's what separates you from the professionals from Benedict Cumberbatch yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah for movies that I was very less than impressed with a lot of the other CG effects and everything, they did a really spectacular job with Smaug. Mm-hmm. They did a really great job with, um, you know, the casting of it. And then the actor who did the voice was so dedicated. So that's just like very wonderful and nice to hear because um, a lot of the other like trivia and behind the scenes regarding these movies is not as mm-hmm. doesn't come to as positive uh ending as this one does (laughs) (laughs) then smaug starts he knows that bilbo is there somewhere uh, and then bilbo is also making noise whenever he like runs around and the coins clatter around and stuff um so smaug knows he's there he can smell him he doesn't quite know what's there and this is the change that they have from the book where the whole time in the book bilbo is wearing the ring and he's invisible and it's just a fun little conversation between smaug and bilbo Mm -hmm. in the movie they have i don't quite understand like how he can do this but smaug somehow like sends 
he's able to sense that Bilbo is wearing the ring mm-hmm. and also that the ring, I don't know if Smaug knows, oh, that's the one ring mm-hmm. or if he's just like, I sense some you kind sense of like something. evil and darkness. Yeah, or something very powerful. Yeah. That's sort of how I thought about it. Yeah. So he um, sends visions somehow, I think. Mm-hmm to Bilbo and Bilbo gets like a flash of of the Eye of Sauron mm-hmm. and he takes the ring off and you don't actually see him take the ring off he like comes out of this stupor and he's visible again and the ring is in his hand so I don't quite understand what happened there but it happened I thought it was Sauron like through the ring sensing something very powerful in Smaug and oh, and like the eye okay. looking out s- and being like what? And maybe Smaug connecting with that too because yeah. he could sense that. Okay, that makes more sense. I was kind of like, what is happening there? But yeah, it kind of, whatever it is that happens, mm-hmm. it scares Bilbo enough that he takes the ring off. And so the rest of the scene happens with him visible and he's trying to like trick his way into not being eaten, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty smoothly, all things considered. I mean, it, it doesn't work out for him, but like... I thought he was a pretty smooth talker. I loved how, and again, Martin Freeman is just so great in this Mm -hmm. role. He does such this great job of conveying that like Bilbo is trying so like he's very afraid Mm -hmm. and is very much not confident in this situation at all. But the way that he conveys Bilbo trying to put on a front of like I am brave and I am arrogant and cocky and I'm confident because then Smaug is like who are you and Bilbo who has learned a lesson Mm -hmm. from his encounter with Gollum where he was like hi my name is Bilbo Baggins (laughs) I live at 123 Bag Uh End in the Shire Bilbo is like I come from Underhill and Overhill, and you know all the all the hills, shares, all kinds of places, all the hills, every hill, <laughs> um, and shares all of the like fun little wordplay things that have happened so far from their adventure, and uh, says you know they call me Barrel Rider, yeah. <laughs> which I think is hilarious because he probably thinks that's like a really badass name, mm-hmm. but it just sounds so. so I don't know. Smaug seemed into it. Barrel Rider. He was like. Yeah. And Smaug, you know, he he sees through this act, obviously, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you've come here with dwarves and they obviously want you to steal something. And like, you're going to get the short end of the stick. And some of the things that Smaug says, I'm like, he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, don't be on his side, but he's not lying to you. He's also not lying. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, some kind of like neutral evil. I don't know, where like the thing Smaug is saying, he's not making up. Mm -hmm. And so that also kind of shows some of the... Not that, like, the dwarves are bad, but, like, yeah, they're not always great. The dwarves are there for the dwarves, man. They're not there, like, you know, they're going to look after their own people first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what Smaug tells them. And it's like, the dwarves are selfish and, like, they'll be driven to madness by this treasure. Mm-hmm. And he starts chasing after Bilbo as Bilbo is trying to, he sees the Arkenstone finally. It's just this, like, white gem that is glowing really brightly. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to, like, sneak over and grab it without Smaug seeing. Mm-hmm. And then whenever Smaug, like, turns and looks at him, Bilbo, 
turns back to him and is like, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> he, he takes advantage of being very small to like sneakily, it's like a little mouse. Sneak over, little mouse yeah. trying to get through the kitchen or something. Mm-hmm. But of course, like every time Smaug moves and the pile of treasure moves, the Arkenstone will get like knocked down to another part of the treasure, like just as Bilbo's about to reach for it. Mm-hmm. At one point, Smaug knocks into a column that knocks down and it causes this huge boom that the dwarves outside feel Mm -hmm. and (laughs) such a dramatic such a dramatic line they're like what was was that an earthquake and balan goes that and the longest pause ever and then like turns around and goes was a dragon or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was that was fierce i liked that delivery i was like that 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 is an elder who has seen some things yeah So then we go uh, into Lake Town where they also hear whatever this loud noise was, this loud boom. And they're like, it's coming from the mountain. And I just love how these kids like really put a heavy emphasis. They're always like, is it going to kill us, duh? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we want to make it clear we're not saying dad. We're saying duh. D-A. They, ca- they come across as choir kids that like really got the like, we must enunciate sort of. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Mm-hmm. They're all looking concerned. And one of the dwarves come over and is like, you should go while you can, like take your kids and leave. Bard's like, it's too late. And I'm like, I don't know. I think you have a pretty, like if you left now, you have a pretty decent head mm-hmm. start. And he's like, there's nowhere to go. And I'm like, you there will be nowhere. There will also be nowhere to go when the dragon is attacking. Like, I know, man. Maybe- Just grab Grab your, grab your tapestries and leave. Like Get your kids, get the tapestry, mm-hmm. and go. Mm-hmm. And go meet Elizabeth. Elizabeth Swan, she's got a boat. Like, let's, let's yeah, just you'll be fine. head yeah. out together. I'm like, I think you have enough of a head start that you'll be okay. At some point, you're going to run into Legolas and Toriel, and, like, it'll get weird at that point. But, like, mm, yeah. I guess just... Legolas will be like, I feel like... I've known, I've known you, you in another, in another life. life. <laughs> yeah, classic. And I guess just leave Feely to die, though. If they're bad. Got, yeah, <laughs> poor Feely. Okay. Um, Tario will save him. Or Keely, okay. sorry, or Fe- Ke- Feely. Oh although if Feely, it wasn't the first time I've done that. It won't be the no, last. I'm sure they grew up with it their whole life like that. Yeah, that's true. And so yeah, classic setup. This happens twice actually for Bard in regards to like killing. Smaug, but like classic setup. One of them is like, "Is it going to kill us?" Da. Mm-hmm. He looks up and rips down from. I think it was like they were using this for to like as like a pot rack or something. I don't know, but <laughs> right. it's like hanging up, and there was like some like kitchen utensils on it. He rips down this giant like harpoon mm-hmm. and says, "Not if I kill it first. This is not what I imagine. In the book, they say Bard uses a single black arrow to kill Smaug. And I was like, yeah, just like an arrow that's black, (laughs) not a giant spear. It is technically (laughs) arrow shaped. It is arrow shaped. And I guess if you get a big enough bow... It, it is a bow and arrow, so I will allow it. <laughs> I'm picturing something that's essentially like a catapult, but for bow and arrow mm-hmm. shape. I think there are, there's like actual like war mm-hmm. terminology for like what those, for like what that machinery and like what those weapons mm-hmm. are, but I know nothing about that. So. It's a, it's a <laughs> flippity gibbet swinger. 
Exactly. That's exactly it. Couldn't have put it better Mm -hmm. myself. And so that is where we're going to end this week's episode. And uh, next week, we will pick up and finish the rest of Desolation of Smaug. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. They're definitely going to kill the dragon. Or something. No spoilers. I mean, I can't see how they would end a movie called The Desolation of Smaug with Smaug still alive. Like, why would you not kill Mm -hmm. the dragon, (laughs) the titular dragon in the movie called The Desolation of Mm -hmm. Smaug? I don't get Mm -hmm. it. So... Mm Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you on the internet? And is there anything you would like to share with the audience? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find us on the internet at uh, fandomforward.org is our website. We are Fandom Forward on TikTok and on Twitter. We are still the HP Alliance on Facebook and Instagram. We're having like a real hard time convincing them to let us change our name. But you know, if you Google Fandom Forward, we will pop up and we will be happy to greet you on whatever platform you love to be a part of. When this airs, we may be wrapping up. uh, We have like an avatar themed climate change campaign that's running right now. That's probably going to be wrapping up when this airs. Um, And we will be getting ready for something in the fall that is our Small Creators Festival that is going to be a celebration of all sort of small creators and artisans and stuff leading up to the holidays. So we're looking forward to that. And it's going to be really fun. And then, I don't know, off to the races next year with all sorts of cool campaigns and perhaps even a Lord of the Rings themed one. Lord of the Rings one. (laughs) Yes, that would be awesome. Again, there's so many things you could do. You could do stuff with war Mm -hmm. and politics Mm. and environmentalism or you can take it down a notch and be like we're just gonna read some poems and sing songs for this cause you know finding joy and enjoying some ale yes absolutely and listeners all that will be linked in the episode description so if that piqued your interest Mm -hmm. definitely go and and learn more about that yeah that's What I'm talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Late to the Party. This is an urgent message. If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a, a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. (laughs) Or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human, but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. And speaking of Vaishan, I recently had him design something new for some new merch. So you can get this new design. It's perfectly hobbity. It's perfect for autumn and fall and some cozy long sleeve t-shirts or crew neck sweatshirts. It's a wonderfully hobbity autumnal design and I love it so, so, so much. 
Um, so first of all, if you ever need something designed, go to Vaishan, send him a message on Instagram. He's just wonderful and awesome and always nails it. And then you can also get this new merch by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And you can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a sponsor of the podcast like Johan. Johan, thank you so much for all of your continued and wonderful, lovely support of the podcast. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. Next week, we will pick up where we left off at one hour and 57 minutes, and we will go to the end of the movie. However, I'm not sure yet if this will remain a one-part episode because the guest I had on, we had such a wonderfully fun time that we talked for a while. And I never know if you guys like having the episodes where I do split it into two parts or if you prefer for me to condense it down to one part. Um, So let me know. I'll maybe tweet out a Twitter poll. But yeah, it will pick up with uh, Smaug and Bilbo continuing their conversation as Smaug says, the king under the mountain is dead. Do you guys like my Smaug impression? Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Parting words for the audience about about the movies? It can be any kind of parting words you want it my, to be. My parting words are the only brew for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>